And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. As I welcome Dr. John Huber. Dr. Huber's an old friend to this show. Um, we've talked about mental health issues. He's chairman of Mainstream Mental Health, a nonprofit organization that works to bring lasting change to, interview, to individuals suffering from mental health issues. Good morning, Dr. Huber. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Peter. Doctor, yeah. what, I, what I really want to talk about and get your perspective on is tragedy, and there's no other word to describe it, if any words describe it. The 23rd mass shooting in American history, mm-hmm. 59 people dead. I'm talking, obviously, about Las Vegas. Right. What do you think was going on in that man's head? Oh, you know, there's so many scenarios that could be playing out, and we don't know publicly. You know, the the FBI is doing their investigation, and I bet you right now somebody in the FBI has a pretty good idea exactly what's really going on. Everything at this point, though, you realize is speculation until they start sharing some of the information that they found out. Um, I think that, that uh, I would really like to see a lot of the the surveillance videos from Mandalay. I think that will tell us a lot. It'll tell us who he, you know, spent his last few days with. And, you know, we've seen a few restaurant receipts where he's having dinner with a, with at least one other person. Uh, so I, whatever was going on, uh, it, he was goal-directed, and he was moving forward in that direction of the catastrophe that we we unfortunately got to watch. But one has to ask the question, and I'm going to use the street vernacular here, so forgive me, folks. Okay. How nuts could he be, given the intricate planning um, that was carried out, given the fact that in, I think it was 2015, he was able to report an income of $5 million, that he was an inveterate and very successful gambler? I mean, how nuts could he be? Well, my thoughts are he probably would pass a, a psychological with pretty good scores, pretty good colors. I think we wouldn't know a difference between him and uh, the average American right now. That That's terrifies me. That terrifies it, me. Yes. Yes. And, you know, one of the things it takes to do something like this, like you said, I mean, this is a guy who, who, you know, one point made $5 million in one year. He's not a dumb person. He's a very smart person and he's able to make decisions that, uh, you know, lead to some very successful outcomes. That being said, you take that same person and you give them a, a very, uh, a heinous idea, and they think it's worthwhile complete, completing that idea, he can be very devastating. He knows how to carry through with his goals. Uh, if you look historically at terrorists, and I'm using that word right now because you know we were all pretty much in terror and still are in some cases. I mean, I'm here in Austin, Texas, and we have this musical festival, ACL, and the organization actually bought back a large chunk of tickets because people were afraid to go to 
the events because, it, again, it's putting a lot of people together in one space. You know, it's frightening, and it scared a lot of people. And, I mean, I think rightfully so, too. If, if you know, if you have concerns that this might have a repeat copycat person, uh, I don't think anybody in a quick amount of time could turn around and do it as efficiently as he did. But it definitely, definitely has put terror in our hearts. So if you look at the average terrorist, they do show an average psychological profile except for that ideation and it's usually either political or it is religious. And I think one or the other or maybe some outlier, maybe there's something out there he has felt hurt and he's wanting somebody or the people to pay for that, that hurt. There's some sort of retribution he's trying to get from this. I think we're going to find out uh, that it's one of those three scenarios that's, that's played out. What would you say then to someone coming into your office and say, I'm terrified. I'm not going, I'm staying home. I'm going to work at home. I'm going to live at home. I'm going to have my groceries delivered. Well, you know, the, the, the thing at that point that we do is we start looking at the rationale of something like that. Um, and it, you know, today in our society, there are probably professions and jobs that actually you could you could probably do that. But at what point, and I would work this through with my, my client or my patient, at what point do you start saying, you know, but it doesn't really matter if you stop focusing on those exterior world people. You're bringing strangers into your life. Somebody has to walk in with those groceries that you ordered online. Somebody has, and you know, you can't clear that person. So you're not untouchable. And start working from that point and try to get them to come back around to the realization that, you know, what is there, 330, 340 million Americans. And even if we go back and look at all, all the, the people protesting with race and, and the, the you know, shooting the police officers and everything else. If we look at all those people who are really upset and they're standing out there creating havoc in our society, it's a very, very small percentage of that population. It's probably close to or less than one-tenth of one percent of our population. Look how much control we're giving those people. Um, so we're talking maybe a couple hundred thousand people max that are running all this up, statistically, the odds of you getting hurt by some sort of terrorist act like this is something equivalent to being bitten by a shark, not once, but twice. And I work with that rationale and try to figure out uh, where, where they're going with this and where they come from, what in their life has driven them to this level of, of paranoia. But at the same time, Doctor, you're implying that people like the Las Vegas shooter will always be with us. Yes, I am. And they will be. So there is no protection. Do we risk it? That's 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 the tough question. And what do we do? What I do with my clients, with my family, is I try to teach them 
you know, to be aware, aware of your surroundings. Don't, you know, don't go to that restaurant anymore and sit down and eat and have a good time with your friends and family without knowing where all the exits are. You know, it's just, we need to be aware. I don't want you to be paranoid. I just want you to know when you sit down, if the power goes out, could you find your way out without being able to have, you know, any visual on on that room from that point forward? Just something simple like that. Be aware. Be alert. Don't be afraid. Some people would suggest the answer, if these guys are and gals are ever going to be with, always be with us is get a gun yourself. Well, you know, and, and, and I've done lots of, of uh, <laughs> uh, perusing of data. And with the exception of this type of an attack, if you're being shot at from a sniper position, uh, that's not going to be very effective. Just about anything else, if a shooter walks into a room, uh, and and you're one of the people in there. The actual research suggests that that you know it it's uh, there, and if you have a weapon, it may be to your advantage because police aren't seconds away; they're minutes away, and not two or three, but ten or fifteen. And the average you know altercation like this is less than three minutes long. So. Uh, if you're going to do it, get training. Don't just buy a gun and expect yourself to be Rambo. And that's that's hard for people to think about too. I mean, I'm I'm in Texas. We have guns all over. We hunt and we shoot and we fish. We do target practice, but we do other things. I mean, my family, every one of us participates in martial arts and every one of us but one is at least a black belt. Some of us have multiple black belts under our, our past. Uh, but my my family are hunters and fishers. And my son, for example, got his first buck last year. And they're all excited because it's almost deer season down here in Texas again. My daughter's like, I want mine. And my wife is like, I want to get one too. So at the same time, you know, we don't carry. None of us are concealed handgun carriers. So what what do I say about that if all of a sudden, you know, one of us is involved and we didn't take the time to get concealed handgun license here in Texas? And I think the reality of it is, statistically, we probably won't need it. But we're prepared. We know how to fight. And... We use it as a sport at this point. We're not uber paranoid. In fact, you know, we're having a discussion about my daughter. She doesn't want to do it anymore. She'd rather focus more on basketball. And uh, so we're going there. It's like, let's, let's, you know, that's fine. You go to basketball, stay physically fit and active. And uh, we can, we can stop that. You know how to defend yourself if you're in a situation. And it's just being aware and be prepared. What do you say to children, though? I mean, we it's been obsessing us on the news. Oh, yes. What do you say to your kids, kids who aren't well, first, necessarily able to understand? Yeah, well, first thing I do is I, I, I ask parents who ask me that, I said, you know, sit down with your child and ask them what they know. Say, you know, what, 
what about this tragedy that happened last week? And I would say for most kids under the age of about first grade probably don't have any concept of what's going on, unless maybe they live in, in, in the Vegas area or something like that. Um, but what, what I want you to do is find out what they know and fix the errors, the stuff that, that they have wrong with the facts, but do it slowly. Don't sit down and expect to have this conversation all at one time. Most children, uh, now we're talking preteen, uh, they are probably able to assess and deal with uh, maybe one or two pieces of information at a time, and they need to process it. Their brains are not developed like a full adult human brain is. And actually, until about their mid-20s, we know that your brain continues to evolve and and become mature. Uh, that doesn't mean if you're 18 or 19, you're not going to be able to sit down and maybe have this discussion quickly with them over a short period of time. But it may mean they're not seeing the big picture and seeing things maybe as clearly as, say, someone who's in their mid-30s or someone in our situation where we're a few few years older than that. So take it slow. It's just kind of like having um, the sex talk with your little kids. You know, they're going to ask questions. You answer that question, but don't elaborate on it. Once they process that information, they'll come back with the follow-up question, and you will go forward from there, answer that question, Give them time, and it may be just a few minutes. It may be a few days. It may be a few weeks, but process one step at a time. Behaviorally, I think if we show fear, if we all of a sudden are changing our lives and we don't go to church because somebody might walk in there and do something like that, and you've been to church every day, every Sunday this, of this child's life or every Saturday of this child's life, and all of a sudden you're not going anymore because this event happened, that's going to impact that child more than you making a mistake on what you tell them about what's happening. They're going to watch behavior. And if you think about it, what parent doesn't know that their child knows exactly where the buttons are for mom and dad? So they've already got, essentially, by the time they're four years old, a bachelor's degree in their parents and how to Watch what they're doing behaviorally, not necessarily communication-wise, but behaviorally. So try to continue moving forward with your life, as difficult as it may be. And I'd like to say thank you to Dr. John Huber. Always enlightening when he talks to us about mental health issues facing all of us. And this is not all, this is this is so many issues all at one. It's mental health. Yes. It's safety. It's family life. And I guess, Dr. Huber, you're reminding us that when we leave the house for the day and kiss our loved ones goodbye, you never know what you're going to find when you come home again. Thank you, Dr. Huber. Thank you. And it's been Conversation. Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. If you can't, nothing left to say, but see you soon.